Let's take our Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter number 14. You may feel like this may be an odd subject matter to deal with, but I want to remind us here at Granite State Baptist Church that we still believe there is a thing called sin. And you say, well, do you really think that needs to be said today? I, I really believe it does need to be said. I've heard of churches that have gone to their Sunday school class teachers and, and other teachers and preachers throughout and said, we're not going to teach about sin anymore and not going to use that term. Well, that's a Bible term, isn't it? And I know this may not do a whole lot today to be able to help your self-esteem or my ego, but it's Bible, isn't it? And so I want to come back, and I want to be able to look at Scripture and just give us by no means an exhaustive study this afternoon, but just remind us about this subject matter of sin, which I'm sure most of us are reminded about on a daily basis. And uh, we preached this morning on the subject matter of in his name and that there's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? And uh, because it's sin that makes that necessary for us to be able to have a Savior. Isaiah 14, if I were to ask you what the original sin, we would need to uh, clarify terms and say, is it the original sin here on this earth or original sin uh, for all of eternity. And so we're going to start with original sin for all of eternity. And of course, that is with Lucifer. We are given the insight to it on what the sin is here in Isaiah 14. And then we'll come to uh, earth and we'll look at the creation back in Genesis and see the original sin here on this earth. And then we'll take it into our lives. And uh, how many are thankful for Adam and the effect that he's made on each and every one of us? How many have said, boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to give Adam a piece of my mind. Can I say this? If it wasn't Adam, it would be me or you. And we would have messed it up. Hey, we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what? People still choose to sin today. And I say choose to sin, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we're not, we're not supposed to use the excuse, the devil made me do it. I'm not really sure the devil's had any effect on my life. It's usually this person, this flesh that I look at in the mirror. But look at Isaiah chapter 14 with me. And the question that is asked here in verse number 12 and I'll give you somewhat of what I believe is a timeline, which is, you can look at it and say, well, it might have been a year later or something. That's, that's whatever you want to decide. But in Isaiah 14, verse number 12, look at this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, and we have here in the next couple verses, we have the five I wills of Satan. He says here in verse 13, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
So, first of all, it's a self-appointed throne, by the way. There's nowhere in biblical context that we see that Lucifer was ever given a throne. So a self-appointed throne that he says that he will exalt it above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Don't you love verses 15 and 16? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. He answered him rather quickly in this conversation, To the sides of the pit, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? Can I say this now? I, I, I don't believe that we ought to appeal to a fight with Satan, okay? Because even Michael the archangel, as recorded in Scripture, um, durst not bring a railing accusation against him, but actually appealed to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to take care of Satan. I'm not one that would say that if Satan was here today that I'd just punch him in the nose. Okay? First of all, the only way that we overcome the power of Satan whatsoever is through the blood of the Lamb. That's the only way that we have victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now at some point, and I'll give you my thought, and this you can mark this down as Chamberlainology or or whatever you want to put it to. No one has an exact timeline, but we do see as we read here that he says that thou art cut down to the ground. My thought is this, as we have the original sin in all of eternity past, you say, when did this sin, I believe, of pride take place in the heart of Lucifer, the original sin in eternity? And you may have a different thought, that's fine. And uh, at some point other than today, you can share your scripture with me. But uh, when he says he's cut down to the ground, comparing Scripture with Scripture, I believe we had the six days of creation. And I believe that the Lord created everything with the power of his voice. I almost went in today saying we still believe in a six-day literal creation. I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe in theistic evolution. I don't believe that God created things, turned it over to evolution and allowed it to be able to take place for the next tens of millions of years. In fact, you go back and look at it. I won't get sidetracked right in here, but Brother Rawls sent me an article from Answers in Genesis. It was Answers in Genesis, wasn't it? About a Christian uh, scientist, geologist, that actually petitioned, and it was over four years of petitioning after being denied and denied and denied, being able to go into and get rock samples from the basin of the uh, Grand Canyon to be able to analyze those and took over 50 samples, went and analyzed them. Long story short, it proves creation, by the way. And it proves um, a worldwide flood, okay, of the sediment layers on how they were actually laid down there. Wonderful article that I read down through that he was able to share with me. We believe, according to the Bible, in a six-day literal creation. 
I've tried to get into the mind of reading in the scriptures of where did sin originate where did and when did this sin take place? What spurred this in the heart of Satan to be able to say, well, I will be like the Most High. Notice he never said, and um, yeah, I digress a little bit, he never said, I will be the Most High. Because he knew that that throne was not up for debate. The throne would not be vacated, but he wanted what God had and I will be like the Most High. My thought is this, that God created everything, and on the sixth day, he finally created something in the image of God. Something the previous five days he had not done. And then something interesting took place because for eternity past, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But now there is a creation walking upon the earth that now God comes down in the cool of the day and is walking and talking and fellowshipping with his creation. Something that has been created in the image of God. That's why... Man being a living soul is so important. And I just wonder if it was during that time, because we're, we're not given an exact timeline according to Scripture on from when day six was and man and woman were created to when we have Genesis chapter number three and we have the first sin here upon the earth. And I wonder if Satan sat back and he watched that and he saw the fellowship that God Almighty had with his creation and there was pride that swelled up in his heart and he said, I want that. And I want to be like the Most High because at some point this pride swells up in his heart according to verse number 13 of Isaiah 14. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will, I will, I will. And he's just promoting himself. And I wonder if it's during that time period, and I know there's maybe some different opinions on when this is, if it was during that time period that he says, I will be like the Most High, I will ascend, I will do this, I will do this, that he is cast out of heaven down to this earth. And we are reminded, Jesus said it because Jesus was there, reminding us that Jesus, of course, is much greater than Satan himself. And was reminding us in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 18 where Jesus said, I beheld Lucifer fall. I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Imagine how that was when Satan was kicked out of heaven because of the pride that had swelled up in his heart. And we know that sin cannot be in the presence of the Lord. But yet, just to show his dominance, we're reminded in the book of Job that Satan still has to come back and report. That he comes back and has to check in. He's still under the thumb of God. There's still some things that Satan cannot do without God's permission. And as we read down through here, I believe as Satan is cast out of heaven, that original sin that took place 
And now the only thing that he can do, knowing that he cannot ascend to the sides of the north, knowing that he will not be raising his throne up, knowing that he will not be like the Most High, the only thing he has left is to be able to corrupt that creation that was made in the likeness of God. And perhaps as he's cast down to this earth and he still sees that relationship that is taking place, we're reminded and turn back to Genesis chapter number 3 with me. Genesis chapter number 3. I believe in eternity past at some point, we're not given the timeline that that sin takes place in the heart of Satan. He's cast down to this earth, but then we have the original sin in Genesis chapter number 3 that takes place here on this earth. In Genesis chapter number 3, we have beginning in verse number 1, we have now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden." And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods." knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. We see here, and let me ask a couple questions in verse number three, she is relaying the message back to the serpent and says, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Is that the command that God gave to Adam? No. The command that God gave to Adam was simply, ye shall not eat of the tree. So where did it come to, and and we won't dig into this too, too much. We may get into it in the month of March as I preach towards the family. But I just wonder, and this is speculation, did Adam, trying to go and add that extra layer of protection, tell her, listen, we're we're not supposed to eat of that tree. Maybe he went further and said, listen, we're not even going to touch it. But then she said, well, God said this. And boy, we have to be real careful on what we say God said, don't we? That if God didn't say it, we shouldn't stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. Well, we have here on the, in this chapter of Scripture, we have the original sin here on this earth that we see committed here, and we see the deception that came from Satan, the serpent, as he was deceiving uh, Eve, almost forgot her name there just for a second. And the Bible says here, and listen, I, I know ladies get a bad rap for this, but we do know that the Bible says that she did eat 
but gave to her husband, you see that little prepositional phrase that was right there, with her. Okay, so Adam wasn't off somewhere in another section of the garden. They were there together. Okay, there's a lot of speculation. I'm not going to get into it on why he partook of the fruit. Maybe he just loved her that much. And, and listen, women can do that to the man, I know. Willing to jump off a cliff because the wife is, oh, it's so romantic, jumping off a cliff and dying together. Really? I mean, that's your epitome of, I mean, of, of romances, dying together, jumping off a cliff. No, there's a lot of speculation that's there. I have my opinion. But I thought down through this, I thought here we have Satan who's been cast down out of heaven because of the pride that's in his heart, the Bible says. Jesus has beheld him fall from heaven. He comes to this earth. He deceives uh, Eve and Adam that are together. They actually partake of the fruit that God said not to partake of. We have recorded the first sin that's been committed by mankind. Now, as I started with, before we get so upset and throw Adam under the bus, may I say this? We probably would have also. If it wasn't this, you say, what was the forbidden fruit? I don't know. Some have said it's it's an apple. And some have even said this, and I, I don't know if you have a have an iPhone, but they said it's the forbidden fruit because if you look at the logo for Apple there's a bite taken out of it. Now, listen, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that apple, I, I use one, okay? <laughs> but I have been told that previously. It's amazing. Now, there, there's a whole lot behind all of that and the research and development and all of this and that. We won't get into that this afternoon, okay? But that's, I, I've been told that, and they're like, oh, you're using it. I had one man tell me that. I'll never touch anything, Apple. I think that's, that's, a, that's the mark of the beast, and that's ushering it, and it very well may be. Okay? They went to face recognition because the thumbprint, they had enough people's thumbprints, and so they could just go with face recognition now, okay? But he told me, he said, I'll never use Apple. And I said, it's amazing when his phone broke. Then I said, I've got one back at the house if you'd like to borrow it so you don't have to spend $600 on a new phone. And all of a sudden, he was fine with it. (laughs) And all of a sudden, he used the phone. And this was about six years ago. And I thought, okay, so maybe that's not so much of a conviction in your life that you're saying not so. I don't know what the fruit is. I've heard some great speculation on it. But can I say this? Regardless of what the fruit was, they disobeyed God. But I believe one of their first sins that they committed was actually doubting the word of God and asking the question, and that's the, the one thing that Satan will always try to get us to do, will doubt whether God's word is true or not. Hath God said? If he can get us to question the word of God and be able to say, well, that's not really what he means. Well, then all of a sudden it pulls into play everything that's in the Word of God. Well, if God messed it up here, he must have messed it up over here. Is this really what God said? Now, we're reminded, and I won't have you turn to all these verses just for the sake of time. We're reminded what the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Who was that one man? Adam. 
Okay? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now we see the original sin here on this earth, but may I once again remind us, you cannot blame Adam today for your sin. The same way you can't blame pastor for your sin. And you can't blame, as Adam tried to, well, it's the woman you gave to me. Boy, try that today. Yeah, try it with her standing right beside you. To God in heaven, God is down here in the Garden of Eden, and they are having this conversation And listen, buses weren't invented there, but it's the first time, and Eve gets thrown under it right there. I mean, in the sight of Almighty God, well, God, (laughs) it's the woman you gave to me. Now listen, here just shortly before that, I mean, she's a a number one, because she's the only one. I mean, he wakes up from his sleep and says, whoa, man. I mean, this I get, I get a woman, I mean, perfectly made. Hasn't been made another one like that till June the 26th of some time back last century when my wife was born. <laughs> Hasn't been another one since. But original sin takes place, and Adam and Eve together, they sin there in the Garden of Eden. But then can I say this? Whereas death passed upon all men from there, they start giving birth... Children start coming forth, and there is a sin nature that is passed down from person to person and generation to generation. And can I, can I say this? We're reminded in Ephesians chapter number 2 that we are by nature the children of wrath even as others. We've made this statement before. Why is it that it's just ingrained into us? You don't have to teach a little kid how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to disobey. You know why? It's their nature. We are automatically bent and inclined towards sin. How many wish that it would be less easy to sin? We're not just talking about influences that are around us, but it just seems, and I side with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 7 saying, hey, I see that there's a war that is in my members, and the things that I would do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. You know why? Because it's part of us. Paul also called it the old man, okay? That old nature that is in us that is just prone to sin. Remember the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. It's just by nature. That's what the flesh desires to do. Now, some may be sitting here right now saying, well, that's good for everybody else, but I'm glad I'm not a sinner. Well, then that means you don't believe the Bible is true. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned. And I know you're going to try to change the meaning of the word all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know there is not one person to ever walk the face of the earth, is walking the face of the earth now, or ever will walk the face of the earth that's never sinned besides the Lord Jesus Christ? It never has. We're all sinners. 
There's not one of us that are righteous. No, not one. Now, we can see this all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Can I remind us that even in the original earthly sin, it automatically broke and cut off fellowship between Adam and Eve and God. They hid themselves. In fact, they realized, the Bible says their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked and sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Some have compared this to, this was actually one of the first illustrations of a man-made religion that they realized that there was something that was wrong with them and their good works, they tried to cover it up. But it would only take Jesus who showed up on the scene, God showed up, and we know I believe the first sacrifice was made right there and actually made them coats of skin there in the garden. The blame game started. We know that Adam, I made mention of it, blamed Eve, but then Eve was the first one to be able to say, the devil made me do it. And that excuse has been used for centuries now. And what God had to do here is, listen, it is not the woman that is in Adam's life. It is not the devil, the serpent in Genesis 3 that caused Eve to do that. But it is me, it is me, it is me, O Lord. Now, God brought judgment upon all three that were present and partook in this. God brought judgment upon Satan. God brought judgment upon Adam and judgment upon Eve. And hence, that has actually been passed down. Do you know that that working and by the sweat of our brow was instituted because of sin that took place in the Garden of Eden? How many here just hate sweating? There's some, you get down south. I took a preacher with me overseas one time. He was from North Carolina. And literally, now we use a lapel mic, and I don't know how many of them in his church he had said he shorted out. Because literally while he was preaching, it was dripping off his chin. And it would actually short it out. Now, he was a great preacher, but I'm thinking, we took him over to the Philippines with us. Now, put him in 90-degree humid weather over in the Philippines, and he brought a couple handkerchiefs. And so he preaches the first time, and he's like, this isn't going to work. Literally had to go to the store, and he bought some hand towels to be able to carry with him. Because he, And I'm thinking, that's nasty. I mean, you are sweating all over everything. You get up to the pulpit afterwards, you don't want to put your hand down anywhere because it's just soaked. Hey, listen, I used hand sanitizer before hand sanitizer was popular, okay? And I'm thinking, don't give me a hug and sweat all over the side of my face when you do. Okay, I mean, but we come back here. Judgment was pronounced. We see original sin, but can I remind us, and here's where I want to get to today, I still believe that sin is sin today. We still believe that sin, you say, well, what is sin? Some have tried to so simplify the definition of sin to be able to get us to understand that they've said sin is simply missing the mark. Well, whose mark? Well, God's mark. Every one of us comes short of the glory of God, which means God has set a standard of how we're supposed to live. And guess what? Every one of us falls short of it. I'm not trying to make a short joke now for everybody that's vertically challenged, okay? 
Every one of us falls short of the mark that God has set. You say, well, what is sin? Can I say this? Sin is simply breaking God's law. Breaking God's law. That's how simple it is. You say, well, I'm I'm not a sinner. Just go ask people out in the community. It's amazing. You start taking a survey. Ask them, number one, do you believe you're a good person? You believe, I mean, Brother Zutter will go down, go down at market days and uh, ask a two-question survey. It's amazing how many people think they're good and on their way to heaven, don't they? Can I say this? You don't get very far through just the Ten Commandments for someone to realize how bad they are that they've broken God's commandment. Well, have you ever put something else in, in, in the place of God and it's been more important than God? Well, yeah, but I'm not that bad of a person. And then you ask them the next one. It's amazing how many have been broken. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you telling us this? Because I'm trying to boost our egos today. We're all sinners. Doesn't that do a lot for our self-esteem? Now, here's the thing. Since the beginning of time, sin has separated from Almighty God. And we have, I mentioned this last week or the week before, we have two chapters that show perfection in creation. But we have 1,187 more chapters that is actually God trying to restore that relationship because of sin. And all the way through, now listen, God desires relationship and fellowship with each and every one of his children. You know what stands in the way? Sin. Let's call it what it is. Okay? It is sin according to the Bible. Well, I've just digressed a little bit. Okay, I've just slid back a little bit. Well, I'm just not where I'm supposed to be. Can we get back to the Bible and say we have sinned against the Lord and call it what it is that is a transgression against God? We're not talking about breaking man's law. There's a lot of laws that you could be in perfect harmony with man's law, but you've broken God's law. And God's law, sin is sin. There is a penalty for it. There's an eternal penalty, but aren't you thankful Jesus took that penalty? But you know something? There is a temporary penalty that every one of us face when there's any sin in our lives and that fellowship is broken between us and God. But aren't you thankful for 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful? And Christians, you know this. When your fellowship is right with God. Boy, it's just wonderful, isn't it? We can truly sing that song, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior. Isn't it wonderful when everything is right and things are good before God? Now listen, I believe, and you say, well, that timeline right there on when Satan fell, okay, if you got chapter and verse, show it to me. I've read it cover to cover. When Satan fell and this took place, original sin in Satan's heart, original sin on earth, but we can't go back and blame them for where we're at today. If you sin today, it's not Eve's fault. If you sin today, it's not Adam's fault. Well, yes, sin passed upon all men. Yeah, you know why? For that all have sinned. Sin entered into the world. Imagine perfection and sin enters. Now, 
And I'll just touch on this. Whose choice was it to sin in the Garden of Eden? It was Adam and Eve's, wasn't it? So if you go too far on a doctrine the other way, well, it was just predestined and they didn't have a choice. Boy, that's not the character of the God of this Bible. God's going to make them sin. Now, don't confuse the foreknowledge of God. God knew they were going to. That's why he already had a salvation plan already in place. God knew what choice was going to be made, but they could have said no on that day. But they didn't. Don't lay this sin at the feet of Jesus and say, you made us do it. We didn't have a choice. No, we have a choice. Sin is sin. If it's breaking God's law, it's called sin according to the Bible. We need to acknowledge it, and we need to make sure to get it out of our lives, confess it, forsake it, repent of it, and move on. Original sin. We believe in sin around here, and we'll continue to preach it. Well, I just don't want to go to a church that mentions that little three-letter word. Well, I believe there's a couple down the road that it probably won't be mentioned. Okay? But as long as we're preaching the Bible, guess what we have to make mention of? We have to mention sin. You know what I found out? I'm okay with preaching on sin. With people preaching on sin, if I'm sitting there, I'm okay with people preaching on sin, as long as it's not my sin. We found that out, haven't we? Preach it, preacher, preach on, preach on. Boy, they get loud in some services. Till theirs is nailed. Well, pastor, I just think you need to move on past that, and all of a sudden it gets real quiet, including myself. There is such a thing as sin, breaking God's law. There is a payment for it. Our sin for all of eternity is paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you've accepted it or not, that's up to you. That's your choice. My choice is I've accepted Jesus. I've accepted what he did on Calvary. And I'm going to do my best, filled with the Spirit of God, to be able to yield to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God and not yield to sin. You say, how do we do that? Well, remember the past four or five weeks we looked at the subject matter of sanctification, went through Romans chapter 6, started looking at that. That's how it happens. Choice by choice, day after day, moment by moment, yielding to the Spirit and the Word of God and not yielding to the flesh. Sin is sin. Let's just not have a part in it. Let's stay away from it. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Okay? Let's pray together. Any question? You believe we, we, we believe in sin around here. I just want you to know that. We're all a bunch of sinners. If you're looking for the perfect church, go down the road. This isn't the perfect church. We're all sinners. The difference is we're sinners saved by grace. Okay? And I'm a sinner. And I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm thankful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanseth me from all sin. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I'm thankful that you revealed our need to us and revealed our sinful condition. But, Lord, you did not leave us there. You did not leave us without a solution. But you sent your only begotten Son 
because you loved a bunch of sinners. And Lord, I pray that we would yield to the Holy Spirit of God and obey the Word of God on a daily basis. And Lord, that when there is sin in our lives, we would name it, we would acknowledge it, and confess it. Receive forgiveness and victory to be able to move on and live for you. Thank you that the Bible makes it so clear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.